A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. White hot it blows. Sparks, smoke and embers. The wrath of the forge and bellows beat in their heart a tankard. Hewn, hammered and wrought for the moon underwater. My brows. Mmm, beetling. Beetling brows as ever here in the moon underwater. I tell you what's got my brows a beetling. Go on, what's being your bees? Well, I'm being my bees because of the woodworm in the beams. They've started taking part in direct action again. Oh, what do you mean? Protesting? Yes, they're protesting about some of the solvents we've been using here in the moon underwater. Are they writing abusive messages in the wood? Well, you've absolutely hit the nail on the H there. They're drilling away in an obscene formation. Yeah. And, you know, it's all pretty medieval. What what do you mean medieval? John's got a bad moat or something? Yes, there's a bit of that. A bit, a lot of quite a lot of chat about my motor there. Oh, or do you mean like Anglo-Saxon? Like when people say rude languages, Anglo-Saxon. Well, yeah, well, no, it's more. There's a few riddles about what what monks keep under their habits, and all those sort of filthy rhymes about a carrot that was dug up in the in the mayor's garden. And then you re- you read through the riddle, and you realise they're not talking about a carrot at all. Right. So, they're, I mean, they're quite literary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a kind of cryptic crossword. Yeah, but we're going to have to... Uh, I think we're going to have to go back to the old lime juice and white wine vinegar in future. Oh, does that re- does that help with wood? No, not at all. But that's the position we find ourselves in. Um, <laughs> anyway, outside, Robin, have you noticed what's going on in the streets? Yes, I have. Yeah, there are, there, there's abundance. Uh, yes, there's abundance of what? Of... Um, materials. Yes, it's the annual bunting fate. Oh, I love bunting. I mean, you can't move for it. In fact, it's actually getting a bit silly uh, because you can't actually get through the street. It's just like sort of wading through a a sea of sort of ribbon and cloth and that sort of thing. Well, the problem with this bunting is there's, you you know, the little triangular flags you get on bunting. 
Yes, I do, yes. There's bunting between those triangular flags. Yes, it's almost a solid air of bunting. Double bunting. Um, but I think what what the uh, townsfolk have done is uh, arranged it in such a way to create like a sort of a, a soft plinth, <laughs> if that's the word, a uh, soft plinth uh, to welcome welcome this week's guest. Oh, brilliant. And it may well look like just a tangle of string and ribbon, but actually it parts miraculously uh, to bring our guest, or to sort of guide them towards the door so it becomes like a sort of a material tunnel. Yeah. And yes, the material is now parting as standing at the threshold is this week's guest, comedian and podcaster, Rachel Fairburn. Hello, Rachel. Oh, hello. What a lovely welcome that was. Well, I've got to say apologies for the pretty grubby rhymes and riddles that the uh, woodworm have etched into the beams hither and thither. It's not how we like to welcome our guests, but you know, you can have a bit of fun solving them. But the, the problem is that the answer to everyone is, is always a, a sort of a, a gentleman or a lady's part. And that's just, oh, that's how it goes. Wow. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming to the correct realm here in the moon underwater. Do grab a seat. What sort of seat is your, your uh, favoured pew in a pub? Oh, do you know, I like, I like an old-fashioned seat. I don't like modern chairs. I don't, you know, I don't like those sort of, um, you know, plastic pleather ones with the high backs. I don't like them. I like uh, a sturdy wooden chair. Sometimes I like it when you get the wooden ones that are sort of farm style, but they have a round seat. Do you know what I mean? You can put your arms in a sort of circular I know exactly the sort of chair they you are mean. good yeah yeah I like yeah I like them or I do like um I do like a corner booth sometimes love a booth yeah I had a wonderful experience this new year's eve when um we'd managed to find a really nice table outside but it became clear that more people were arriving than we thought and we'd sort of chosen the wrong table and then about quarter past 11, this whole group just got up and left the pub. Ah. We had an embarrassment of tables and corner corner seats. Oh, that's good. It's an absolute joy. Uh, well, we I'm sure the Moon Underwater can summon up a farm-style round chair for you. And before I finish the sentence, it's only gone and bloody done it. Um, <laughs> Rachel, before we discuss your dream pub, your perfect pub, Let's talk podcasts, uh, because you are the host of the, the ginormous hit All Killer No Filler, but you're also launching a new podcast called Ghoul Guide. Now, is that your sort of um, way of evening things up so that the victims of the murderers can then have <laughs> their say as ghosts? When you put it like that, I never thought about that, but that could be a good sort of spin-off from Ghoul Guide. Um, it's something to think about. But yeah, it's my, it's my new podcast and obviously we've been doing All Killer No Filler for eight years now. Whoa, well done. I know, eight years. Going into the ninth year now. Uh, so it's been, and I've always been interested in ghosts and the supernatural and stuff like that. So it's been a pleasure to do this one. And it's out now on all platforms. Nice. Are they scary? think so i mean i was scared making them so basically what happened was i visit different haunted places in the uk i get told three stories about where i am one of the stories is true and two of them are false and i've got to guess and i came up with the idea i wanted to do something supernatural but then you know obviously when you pitch a podcast they go oh well why is it different and i've been watching a lot of unsolved mysteries and beyond belief facts or fiction at the time so i just went oh 
turns out one of the stories isn't true. Very nice. So I was heavily influenced by that. <laughs> and have you been to any haunted pubs? Well, see, this is it. I, every time, whenever I go to a pub, this is what I like. I want a pub to have a backstory and I want a ghost. And I have been to a lot of haunted pubs because I go to Cornwall quite a lot. So pretty much every pub there has got a ghost. There's a pub in Manchester where I'm from called uh, The Shakespeare, which allegedly has uh, the ghost of a, a girl that's on fire oh at the top of the Lord. stairs. I know, Jeez. I know, I know. Why are ghosts so dramatic? Why isn't it just a ghost checking their phone or, you know, something? <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, this is what I think. I, why do we not have more modern ghosts? Yeah, yeah. Listening to a Walkman. Yeah. <laughs> they say that sort of ghosts are often souls that are not at peace. But it could be someone who's not at peace because they spent too much time on their phone. Mm. And they w- want to sort of come back to finally complete Twitter. But then, if you saw someone on their phone now, you might not even realise it's a ghost. So you might have even... You might have seen that now. If you saw someone dressed in medieval costume, you'd be like, oh, that's a ghost. Yeah. Or a reenactment person. Don't know which one's worse. I don't know if there's a haunted pub in Bristol. The Odeon is meant to be haunted. The cinema... But yeah, haunted pubs, right in, if you've got some. Mm. Well, the one I stayed at, and you must visit this pub, Rachel, but it is quite a trek. Although maybe not quite so far from you, it's in near Loch Lomond, and it's called The Drover's Inn. And it's like the most obviously haunted place I've ever been. <laughs> it's so, it's so creepy. It's sort of got this reputation as, I think it's Scotland's oldest inn, or s- oldest hotel pub everyone who works there is sort of they're either traveling or they've stopped off for a couple of months so they've got quite a like the workforce sort of a bit party-ish sort of transient um is that the, i don't mean transient yeah, do yeah. i mean transient yeah, that, that, yeah that's, that's so they're like word. some of them are backpackers some of them are yeah. whatever but they do stay up quite late and get sort of drunker than everyone else there so it's hard to distinguish between the the cries of the chef and the cries of the ghost chef (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, i like the sound of that but uh yeah google it there's lots of sort of there's a big stuffed bear in the reception that meets you and lots of knights in armor and that kind of thing Mm. oh now that sounds good did you ever get really scared yourself in these places i did yeah i mean i Glastonbury was one that I got particularly scared at because we had to stay in the um, was it the Georgian Pil- yeah the Georgian Pilgrim pub there which is supposed to be very haunted, and I I stayed in this um, sort of room called the the nuns' cell. Okay. It's supposed to be ha- haunted by a nun, obviously, and a monk. Lots of lots of key information getting teed up before you go in for a night's sleep. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and it was just like a, a creepy room, and I, I I felt really unsettled in there, and it was. I think we recorded the episode in March when it was quite cold, but the room was too hot and quite sort of stifling. And and I, I did find it very creepy in there. And then we did the, we went to the vaults in Edinburgh and uh, I was sent off on my own to do some exploring by myself. And uh, well, I didn't last very long. I didn't like it. Um, I just went back to the producer. I've, I've really given myself the heebie-jeebies listening to that Uncanny podcast. Oh yeah, it's, it's good, really that. good. But like, sort of yeah. falling asleep listening to it, I, I, I really, really spooked myself. My house in the other realm is four hundred years old. Not a whisper of a ghost. Really, nothing. I wonder if it's because the previous uh, owners had the kitchen done, so it, so it wouldn't really fit to have like a sort of seventeenth century, 
you know, scullery maid haunting a a pretty decent setup with you know a a, a Frank drainer and um, a Bosch hob. Either that or the um, <laughs> kitchen fitters were also exorcists. Do you know what? I should contact the ex-owners to check out if the kitchen fitters were also exorcists. Because that would be a wonderful service, wouldn't it, for sort of old country houses? Kill two birds with one stone, as long as the birds don't become ghosts. Yeah, and then you have to kill the ghosts of the birds with one <laughs> stone. Yeah. Uh, anyway, before we get too wrapped up and give ourselves the spooks, Rachel, you said you're uh, in Manchester. Oh, well, I'm not. I'm from Manchester, but I live in Walthamstow in London. Nice. I've lived here for about four years now. Do you really? Do you miss the wonderful pubs of Manchester? <sighs> Uh, I do, but then when I go back, everything changes so much. I mean, there's one there's one pub called the Wheat Sheaf. I don't know if you've ever been in that in Manchester. I mean, it's what people might describe as a bit rough, but I absolutely love it. It's um, it's down to earth, and it's in the city centre, and it's amazing. And it, I just know it's going to be gentrified one day. So every time I go back, I always have to go in there. And I do miss my local pub in North Manchester, which uh, is the Alliance Inn which used to be a very, very old pub, but they knocked it down. And it, it's now just like a sort of 1960s building. But it's great. It's just a really good pub. There's always summer happening in there. I mean, I went in, I, when I was visiting my family, like, a couple of years ago, none of my family are drinkers as well, which I'm sure we'll get to in a bit. And uh, I went in for a pint, and the landlady went, oh, you can't come back in after what happened last weekend. <laughs> I was like... I don't live here, it wasn't me. And she was like, well, do you have a sister? I was like, yeah, but she doesn't drink. <laughs> <laughs> so she was like, all right, okay, then I must have got you mixed up with someone else. So it's, there's oh, always wow. something. <laughs> there's always something. Do let us know if you've ever been uh, barred for something you didn't do. We've not really discussed barring stories, have we, Rob? No. Let us know, uh, John at Moon Under Pod, what's the weirdest thing you've heard anyone be barred for? I've never, I don't think... Well, maybe maybe that time in Sheffield. But who knows? Um, uh, so we're going to be creating uh, your dream pub right now, Rachel. Uh, talk to me first about its vibe, because you've t- talked about a couple of pubs there that I'm guessing aren't in the running for most haunted pub in Manchester. But do you want a, do you want a spooky tavern? Yes, please. I want an old-fashioned spooky tavern that you can pretend to be... I don't know, a highwayman in. Oh, nice. Yeah, I want it in the middle of nowhere, preferably near the sea. Nice. I went to a pub just a week ago in Dorset, and it was called um, the Anchor Inn, and it was in Seatown in Dorset, and it's just on the edge of sort of a a tiny little cliff type thing. The sea's right there. When I visited it, the, the wind was howling, it was raining, walked in, and there was no one in there hardly. There's about two people in there. It was really old inside. That's what I want. I want somewhere where you, it's like you've come in from the cold. Um, you know, like you, you've just got off a boat or you've been in a horse and carriage all night and you open the door and there you are. I'm visualising... Have you seen The Banshees of Inner Sharon? Oh, no. Great film. Came out um, a month or two ago. But the pub in that, I'm visualising that pub by the sea. Do you know what I'm thinking, Rachel? I am thinking smugglers. Yes, smugglers. Yes, go. yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's exactly it. Like, because I go to Cornwall quite a lot. I absolutely love it down there. Anything that's like smugglers, pirates, 
anything that's... Uh, there's a pub called the Admiral Bembo in Penzance. I've been and there. Have you been there? It's amazing, isn't it? It's so good. Many moons ago, once knew a girl from Penzance and... Um, Sounds like a limerick. Yes, it does. <laughs> and it would be a good a good rhyming setup. But, um, uh, yeah, we went to the Bembo a couple of times. Yeah. You do feel when you're in Penzance that you are on the edge of the world. It's 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 sort of unique like that. I don't know. There's something about the vibe of that end of the country because usually on the coast you're sort of thinking about yourself in terms of well it's France over there or it's Ireland over there, but it does just feel like that's where everything stops. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and like um, when you go to even like Lands End, what's the pub that's near there? I've been to a pub near there, but it's just a shame that the at Lands End at the last inn in England is now just a gift shop. That's a bit gutting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that'd be great if it was just a pub. But yeah, anything that's sort of in the middle of nowhere, you know, somewhere that's difficult to get to. Yeah. I like that because once you're there, you're there, aren't you? And you, you're like, oh, I'll have to stay here now. That's the yeah. Sort of feels like it's always a lock-in, even when it's not. Yes. Mm. Oh well, I am. I'm full of the the joys of smugglers and uh, coastline and people coming in sort of wrapped in big shawls mm. that they have to sort of unwrap and then you realize it's a, a wizened man um <laughs> but you know still perfectly welcome his, his money is as good as anyone's and, and no we don't take contact with us yes. <laughs> it's just cash the wizened man's just got his his card he's got it on his phone Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. So, in this pub, Rachel, we need uh, two draft options to start us off. What are you going for? I'm going for Moretta and Perona. Seriously? Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> no judgment here. Wow. <laughs> really? I like what I like. Yeah, sure. Well, that's 
that's what a lot of the sort of 18th century smugglers wanted was was sort of foreign lagers. <laughs> exactly. This is what they were smuggling in. Did you not know? Yeah, because you couldn't get it in England. It was all ales and porters and mild. Exactly. And they was like, "Where can you get a bloody?" They were the like, "It's too far to the nearest Pizza Express. Let's get some Peroni." In. <laughs> do you do you like the big Peroni pint glasses? Uh, n- to be honest, I'm more of a. F- I like the Moretti glass. Right. The shape, like the sort of yeah, with a little man on it, curvy, so like a tulip shape. type. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and I don't like, I like to have it in the glass as well. I like to have the correct glass for the drink. I'm a bit funny about, I'm funny about glasses anyway. I think, you know, sometimes like if you order a wine and they give you a, a small, a, you know, one of those stunted fat glasses. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And they're too thick. I think it should always be thin, the glass. And I don't like those pint glasses that have the, um, the sort of grooves in them not like the tankers the modern ones do you know what i mean with the do you, do you know what i mean oh well, the like inside like an australia glasses isn't it kind of no it's like a modern shape and it's it's always in shit pubs that you get them and it's it's that sort of i think the peroni glass is a good example of a sort of pint glass i don't like where they're too tall too thin and they almost look like a trophy yeah yes 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 yeah but that's not to say uh, the drink inside suffers too much um so when did you first discover your love of moretti and peroni <laughs> well i used to drink spirits all the time i never used to drink uh beer and then because i was a bit skin when i was going to the pub i thought well i'll start drinking pints because that that's cheaper and i didn't really like beer but then i started to get a real taste for peroni and i really liked it and then, I don't know, there's just something... of it's. I like the bitterness of it. There's something very bitter about it, and I just... I, I'm comfortable with it. I know where I am with it. It's like... You know when, you, what, you know when people say, like, a Big Mac tastes the same all over the world? Mm. I, I, that's how I feel about Moretti <laughs> and Peroni. Like, I, I feel comfortable with yes. it. Yes. I think you've got a real a point there, because, like, Rob, that's the reason you often go for a lager, is because it, you can... You can when people talk lager down in pubs a bit, but you can you guarantee it's going to be nice. You're not going to have wasted six quid. Let's face it, on uh, a drink that might not be to your to your taste. Yeah, it's it's kind of easier to look after as well than ales, isn't it? So if if you're in a pub that doesn't look after its ale, then you're more likely to have a nicer pint if it's a lager for sure. Yeah, and I don't like stuff like IPAs or anything like that, or. You know, like my friend James always drinks whatever craft ale they've got or whatever, you know, guest is appearing on the the beer pumps. And I just, I, I, I like to know where I am with something, you know, whatever pub you're in, wherever you are in the world, the drink's going to taste the same. Rob, you're more of a Moretti man than a Peroni man, aren't you? I don't mind a Moretti. I mean, they're both, I think Peroni is made in Italy, but Moretti isn't, I don't think. They're both kind of of this slightly weird new genre of uh, European lagers that are kind of with a prefabricated history, aren't they? Like the latest one is your Madri. Oh, see, I don't like that. Yeah. Madri is quite weird, isn't it? I do not like the taste of that at all. But yeah, I don't mind. A, I'll, I'll happily drink a, drink a Moretti. The new wave of lagers that advertise themselves with a slightly overweight man wearing a hat on the... <laughs> yeah, I thought you were talking about me then. <laughs> <laughs> 
me. Excuse me, excuse me, sorry. Sorry, no, I think I was next. I think I was next, so sorry. Excuse me, sorry, sorry. Sorry, could, excuse, sorry, could I could I have a sherry, please? <coughs> Sod this. I'm off to the moon underwater. So we've got Moretti and Peroni. Bottles and cans. Or cans. Bottles or cans. So, bottles. Now, I do like red wine. And I'm not a connoisseur. So... When people go, we've got Merlot, Shiraz, or what's the other one? <laughs> I think there's only three, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sauvignon Blanc, Sauvignon, Cab Sauv, Cabernet Sauv, Cab Sauv, Cab Sauv. Yeah, there you go. So when they say that, it depends what mood I'm in. I just go, oh, Merlot, whatever. And I always, like, so for red wine, this is how I like to choose it. Because I like spooky things, I'm a real sucker for anything that's red wine based, but is like based around the devil. <laughs> So oh, nice. If it's Castillo um, Diablo or, you know, there's one's called Devil's Candy, Devil's Blood, Devil's Staircase, Diablo, just anything like that. Anything devil-based, red wine, that's what we're having. There's a good one I think I've heard people like in Tesco, which is Apothic, and it does look oh. very sort of... It looks like the sort of title page of a Netflix sort of horror series. Don't you think red wine has got all this marketing kind of stitched up? It's harder to sell a white wine based on being to do with the devil, isn't it? Well, because it doesn't look like blood. Is that, do you think that's the reason? Marketing around sort of spookiness or, or murder or criminality is dark because it's sort of nighttime. It's the underworld. You, And also, but on the other hand, you couldn't really do the opposite market white wine as you know the wine of christ or <laughs> or the wine of god's light yeah that'd be weird though you do have what's that whispering angel everyone likes that uh, that rosé yeah oh is that i've never heard of whispering angel do you know what i think three people have chosen whispering angel and it's quite expensive it's like 20 quid a bottle so i i went and bought a bottle a few months ago it ain't that great. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. Are we putting down the spookiest red wine available? Is that what we're going for? Yeah, I saw I saw one ages ago. I was Googling sort of devilly wines. There was one that was like a Dracula special edition mm. red wine. Ooh. So that kind of thing. Anything that's got, you know... I, I can't, do you know, it's driving me mad as well because I found... In my local shop here in uh, London, at the end of my street, there's a shop called Sambros, which is amazing. It's like a, it's one of those mini-marts that sells everything. And I found a bottle of wine that, that I was convinced was haunted, and I cannot remember the name of it. Um, I've been in since, and they've never had it. But it had the devil on the front, and it was called something really strange. And I was like, I must keep that bottle, because I'm never going to see that again. And it got thrown out in the recycling. You thought the bottle was haunted? Yeah. Not a lot of space for a ghost in there. <laughs> no, but I did drink the, the wine and nothing bad happened, so... Was it like the bottle had a bad energy? It was just a weird bottle. Again, I should have took a picture of it. I, I can't remember what it was called. But I was like, I'm definitely going to keep that bottle. Maybe pop a candle in it or something. Um, and it got thrown out in the recycling, sadly, so... Well, we may never know. I can imagine you, Rachel, getting on very well in that weekend. Robin might know 
more about this, but when Mary Shelley and Byron and all that lot had their writing competition, who was there? Yes. It was Frankenstein and what else got written that night? Was it Lord Byron, Mary Shelley? Yeah, and Percy Bysshe Shelley. Where were they? Were they in Italy or something? I, 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 don't, I, I don't really know the story, but yeah, the, I think there was a kind of competition to write a spooky story. Yeah. <laughs> it's time yeah. for your spooky story. <laughs> They set themselves a task, didn't they, of writing a ghost story, and out of that came, like, three of the great ghost stories. Well, I can imagine you there with a, filling up their, their carafes with a haunted red. Mm. Oh, yeah, I'd have loved that. So, uh, spooky red wine, um, and, and what's your second choice? Prosecco. Not necessarily for me, but people seem to like it. I think it's quite an easy, you know, do you want a Prosecco? Most people will say yes. It's low calorie for people that are worried about that. It gives you a bit of a buzz. It's not going to make you ill, I don't think. But this is it again. I don't know what Prosecco. Everything tastes the same to me. I'm an absolute philistine when it comes to taste of my taste buds. I mean, my diet's pathetic. I'm not a connoisseur of anything. So I'll just go Aldi's own because that's the Prosecco <laughs> that, that I've had. And do you know what? The German supermarkets do do surprisingly good wines, beers and sparklings. Yeah, and spirits. Some of the whiskeys yeah. meant to be pretty good. The blends. Mm. Uh, Rob, you're a bit of Prosecco buff. <laughs> well... Well, you like Prosecco. I like Prosecco, yeah. It doesn't, you know... Does that make you a buff? No, you're a Prosecco drinker. yeah. <laughs> prefer it to champagne yeah many people do these days so you do you drink prosecco in your own in your own house well here's the other thing i don't actually drink in the house ever interesting 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 never interesting. drink in the house and i think this is because i'm from a family that are mainly teetotal so as the only people that drank in my family were my well, my granddad used to drink but he'd always drink like whiskey and hot water or like whiskey and black or gin and my dad used to go to the pub after work a lot, but he doesn't drink anymore. And my mum's been teetotal since she was, like, 20. My auntie's never drank. My sister, who's six years younger than me, doesn't drink. I am the anomaly <laughs> in the family because I drink a lot. Or, or, or like, I used to... Like, I, I've always gone out and, you know... I mean, I started drinking quite young at, like, 16... But I was never, and I was never one of those people that drank on the park. You know, I wasn't like, I wasn't a naughty kid that would be out drinking on the park. I started drinking when I was like 16. I remember being like year 11 at school and actually going out to pubs. Mm. My folks don't drink and I, I haven't, I've been off booze for a while now. And people always say, oh, you know, how was Christmas and stuff? And to be honest, because my mum and my stepdad don't drink, Christmas Day is probably the day I least associate with booze out of every day in the year. Yes. Because there's just never any alcohol with Christmas dinner, never any alcohol in the house. That's exactly so. I had never drank on Christmas Day until about four years ago when I went to someone else's house for Christmas. Because so, we just it was just never a thing with us drinking on Christmas Day. And like throughout Christmas, I was never a, a drinker. You know, I'd go for the whole entire period of Christmas without drinking when I was a lot younger. So, yeah, it's quite interesting, that. So you never drink at home? 
No, never. That's. I know some. I know, I've got a friend who, who who's the same. Does that make kind of going out like a bit more kind of celebratory? Yeah, because that, that's it. I, I prefer to be out in a pub drinking as like a social thing. I, I just find drinking in the house. I don't know. Quite. I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. And it, like I can have alcohol in the house and it'll remain there for months and months and months and I just will never drink it. So if uh, someone came round for dinner or met you before going out and they brought a bottle of wine, mm-hmm. would you just not drink any in the house as a rule or is it just that you tend not to have buy stuff for your own house? Yeah, that's different. If someone brought it round or if a friend was coming round for a drink, you know, if they said, oh, well, do you mind if I come round, we'll have a drink. Yeah, if someone was doing that, great, and they brought a bottle of wine, yes, I would have a drink with them in the house. But I'd certainly never sit in the house and like go oh i'll just get myself a glass of wine i just i was i've just never done that never would wow that's so cool (laughs) and i'm glad to be honest because i think if i did never bloody stop it's it's really hard to have any sort of time off booze when you've got a lot of booze in the house because you that decision can you can be in like the most sort of steadfast mindset all day and then suddenly bang it's in your hand Bang, it's gone. Bang, another. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> and they're like, how did we get here? We were meant to be having a day off booze. Well, it's because it's right in, it's in the fridge underneath where you chop the onions. <laughs> okay, well, superb choices so far. Uh, Moretti, Peroni, a spooky red wine, and Aldi's own Prosecco. <laughs> yeah. It's in, good stuff. It is good stuff. In an old spooky tavern where a smuggler or a highwayman may remove their many shawls uh, to sit down in the middle of nowhere, but next to the seaside. But uh, we're about to break uh, for the end of part one of The Moon Underwater with Rachel Fairburn, uh, but we have the very small, mighty matter of The Moon Underwater pub quiz. Robin. Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down, it's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey have been deducted five points. Thanks, John, and welcome to the Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. And um, perhaps over Christmas you were given a celebrity memoir to read. Perhaps your celebrity memoir had an amusing title. Or maybe it had a title which was meant to be amusing but didn't quite work. Like Only Fools and Stories by David Jason. (laughs) And and The Twelve Dells of Christmas, also by David Jason. (laughs) All of which leads me to this week's quiz, in which I will give you the titles of three celebrity memoirs. All you have to do is tell me the author, and I'll give you the answers in part two. Do you think David Jason even knows those books exist? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. He's like, it an, maybe it was sent in an email that he never read. <laughs> okay, so question one. Trowel and error. Oh, good stuff. Trowel and error. That's question one. Question two, the end of an earring. Oh, dear. The end of an earring is question two. And question three, kiss and make up. Oh. Kiss and make up. So there we go. Those are your three Qs. And the A's are coming in P2. 
Well, thank you, uh, Robin, for those autobiographical or biographical uh, tenterhooks that you've left us on. Folks, we'll be back with part two very shortly, but do head to moonunderpod.com uh, to find out uh, about all the ways you can get involved with the podcast. You can email us, john at moonunderpod.com. You can also support us on Patreon, where you get access to Rachel Fairburn's special Patreon-only choice. You also get access to uh, live tickets when they go on sale and our bonus podcast, Behind the Cellar Door, which comes out every month. But until part two, bye-bye. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.